Oh, sorry, I was I was just enjoying the music. <laughs> no, I was enjoying it. I was just too. like, butter, butter, butter. I was like, yeah. this is pretty badass. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, no, wait. Yeah, I was supposed to go on the butter, 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 butter. Let's do that again. <laughs> I love it. All right. It's perfect. Ready? <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA, Agent Ether, Agent Kruger, and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group and page, AlienConPod. All right. Yeah. This week's episode, The Loch Ness Monster. Hell yeah, brother. It's frightening. I don't actually know why they call it the Loch Ness Monster, because it's not really that scary. It never really attacked anybody. It never ate any babies or did anything <laughs> remotely frightening. It just, It you know. scared people. There actually is one story, actually one of, one of the earliest uh, recorded uh, supposed sightings of the Loch Ness Monster um, is actually from the 6th century AD. And uh, it, it was uh, about a saint that had came from um, Ireland. And this, uh, this saint was a missionary from Ireland, and um, his name was uh, St. Columba. And uh, supposedly this guy had actually saved an individual from an attack by the Loch Ness Monster. And it's one of the, uh, the earliest depictions, I guess, from what I understand. That's, yeah, that's the, well, that's the first written, um, reported written sighting or whatever. But it had been mm -hmm. in the local folklore for a while. But we'll get to that in a minute. That's, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. shouldn't have said depiction. Yeah, you Yeah, right. let's, let's backtrack a little bit on that. So just to get started, for me, this is a really fun case. Uh, going all the way back to when I was a kid, I had to do a book report one year. And when I was, I think it was in middle school, and I just kind of grabbed a book randomly off the shelf. And it happened to be an entire book about the Loch Ness Monster. And the book was very, very, very in favor of it being real. It was not balanced at all. And as a kid, an impressionable youth, I read it and I thought, wow, this is the coolest thing ever, man. Like it made me think that it was real. So this, this particular case has, this is like kind of a special place for me. Like as I got older, like I'm not as convinced of how real it is as I used to be, but for a while there, when I was a kid, it was just a really fun thing to believe that there was this bizarre dinosaur looking fish swimming around a, a lake in Scotland. You know, it's just, it's just really fun for me. So that's for me, I have like this kind of nostalgic connection to the case because of that reason. Yeah, I would agree with that too. I would kind of double that sentiment, you know, I mean, it's a very, very iconic uh, case, you know, everybody knows, they, everybody's heard of Nessie. Shit. I, I've been to a, uh, a really good burger joint, as a matter of fact, in Southern California that was called a uh, Nessie burger. And if anybody listening has ever been to Nessie burger, they know what I'm talking about. Oh, it's, it, Delicious, <laughs> but where is but no, Nessie I mean, that, Burger? It's out by Temecula, okay, the, the Temecula area, like a um, little south of Temecula, from what I understand. We should go correctly. 
I have not been, yeah. but I am going to go visit Worth. somebody in that area pretty soon here. So I'm going to have to check it out. Worth it. I was not aware that you you could get burgers made from Nessie, but... <laughs> oh, poor Nessie. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and, and they're not cheap. I'll, I'll put that out there too. They're not cheap, but hey, worth it. I'm just saying, worth it. $10,000. What the hell is this made out of? Nessie? Oh, all right then. They're big patties. I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, the Loch Ness Monster, man, such an iconic case. And there's been so many sightings and so many theories too of like what it could be, you know, or I mean, uh, in the area, the the whole area is is so deep seated with history and culture, and there's a lot of uh, ancient lore, mythology, whatever you want to call it, uh, within that area. You know, I mean, um, it's a very interesting area for cryptids and such such things. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So it doesn't su- doesn't surprise me at all that like uh, one of the most iconic uh, you know mythologies in, in the world, as far as I'm concerned, is is you know comes from there. You know, I think Vikings shaped their ships like it. Yeah, I, t- I told Agent Anderson it's probably the most famous cryptid ever, but he was arguing that it was Bigfoot. And then I said, well... Uh, that's a hard debate, though. Yeah. That's a hard debate. I, I guess it I depends on where split. you are. Yeah, like, for example, yeah. there's... Up in Canada, there's another podcast I listen to. They're out of Kelowna, BC, and they live really close to um, a lake, uh, whatever, some Canadian lake. And there's a, there's a kind of like a Loch Ness monster there called Ogopogo. And oh, yeah, yeah. if you live in that area, you're probably more familiar with Ogopogo than you are with the Loch Ness monster. Uh, ah, that, I can't remember the name of that lake. But, it's going to bug me now. It's on the tip of my tongue. But you've definitely heard of Loch Ness monster though. You yeah, know that's I mean? true. It, that's true. But I mean, I, I guess you could kind of group Loch Ness monster in with like a couple as a, as like a, a water beast, you know what I mean? Cause there's so... And you want to talk about beasts of the water, whether it be the ocean or locks, lakes, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's, I mean, countless. I mean, especially in the ocean, you kidding me? You know, man-eating beasts of all sorts of shapes and sizes and throughout the many millennia that we've been in the water. You know what I mean? So there, you know, I don't know if you want to, you know, group that all in together, but if you want to put that up against Bigfoot, then you might have a case as far as, you know, popularity or, uh, you know, being the most iconic. I well, guess, especially yeah. if I, you're in Scotland. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You oh, know? yeah. That's true. 100%. See, where I live in the Pacific Northwest, where Bigfoot is probably definitely bigger than Loch Ness Monster. But yeah, if you're in Scotland, probably yeah. Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That they're believers, sense. too. Yeah, there, there's yeah. a lot of them that, um, you know, if you look around a little bit for this case, it's not one of these things where there's people who are just kind of like, yeah, it's a fun story. No, there's a lot of people who uh-huh. genuinely believe in this as like a real yeah. thing. And there's a reason for that too, but we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. And you know, to be, to be honest, I think that's kind of one of the strongest points of this case is just how many people claim to have seen something there. You know what I mean? Something yeah. that would, you know, line up to be potentially the, the Loch, Loch Ness monster or something, you know? Right. Well, just but. just like uh, we, I think the only other cryptid we've really done is Bigfoot. And just like that case, there's so many thousands of witnesses. It's hard to just dismiss it entirely. No matter how skeptical you want to be, there's so many people who said they've seen something that it's hard to say that they've seen nothing. Whether or not they're seeing, you know, an interdimensional alien beast that wants to hang out in the lake or whatever thing you want to say it is it's hard to say that they didn't see anything at all and that this many people are completely making it up. 
you know, that's, well, that's, and you know, what, one point I kind of want to make too, before we really get started too, is this is one, I mean, like, like going back to what we're talking about, comparing this to Bigfoot, as far as popularity, Bigfoot has been, you know, a, a subject that has been, it, it, you know, extensively researched, right? But the Loch Ness monster has had like extensive research in its own right, for sure. And, um, the research that has been done, there's been a lot of resources and, and you know, people that are, are legitimate like professors and researchers that, you know, uh, did comprehensive studies relating to Loch Ness, you know, and they, there was a lot, like I said, there was a lot of effort and resources put into it, you know, and some of these studies are, are you know, they're, they're as serious, as serious as you can get as far as what they're trying to find out, you know, so this is a, this is a very special case, even though like, you know, like I said, everybody's heard about it and, you know, you might hear Loch Ness and you're not going to take it seriously, but there's plenty of people out there that have taken it seriously throughout the decades, you know, and, and, and put together real deal, like research teams to, to try to find out something, you know what I mean? So that's one of the things that kind of impresses me about like this case is the research involved, the, the, the effort that people have actually put into trying to find out whether this is real or not, you know? Right. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. So first, let's talk a little bit about the Loch Ness itself. So the Loch Ness is a lake in Scotland. And if you're unaware, Loch means lake. It's L-O-C-H, not L-O-C-K. But I, th I think it's pronounced Loch. But yeah, that means lake in Scottish. So the Loch Ness, it's a freshwater lake. And it connects to the ocean through a river on its northern side. And I think from what I read, the river kind of, it's not like a straight shot. It kind of has other bodies that it sort of goes through a little bit before it gets to the ocean, but there is a direct connection to the ocean, which we'll, I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit here. But one thing that's very important for this case is just the sheer size of the Loch Ness. It's very big and very deep. It's about 22 or 23 miles long and up to 1.5 miles wide at its widest point. It has approximately 22 square miles of surface area, and it's the second largest surface area lock in Scotland, with the surface area, if you want to put it into acres, would be about 14,000 acres. It has That's 20, a big lake. Yeah, it's, it's a big boy we're talking about here. It has 263,000 million cubic feet of water which I can't even comprehend how, but a crap ton of water. And by volume, it's the largest in the British Isles. Even though the surface area isn't the largest because of its depth, it has the largest volume. And it's about 755, maybe as much as 785 feet deep at its deepest point. And it has more water in it than all of the lakes in England and Wales combined. That's a lot of water, guys. That's kind of crazy, man. Yeah. I, I did not know that before you said that right now. And that's that's a that's a substantial statement. It's it's a lot of water. Tons and tons of water. This the point the reason I'm uh, we'll get to it later, but the reason I'm doing all these kind of statistics is just to just to demonstrate just the sheer size of this thing because a lot of people, myself included, you might think, well, Where's a big thing like this going to hide in a little tiny Scottish lake, Scotland? Pff, that's like, that's not, that's like Rhode Island, man. That's a tiny little place. But, you know, when you look at this, the, the sheer size of this place, and uh, by the way, Scotland, that was not a knock on you. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly how big Scotland is. So no offense intended, <laughs> by the way, and no offense intended to, to Rhode Island either. You know, it's just, you, when you think of Scotland, you don't think of like, 
you know, like Texas or Russia or someplace that's real big is all I'm saying. But anyways, they're... Oi, don't the, you be knocking our lock. <laughs> yeah. right, that was bad. That was terrible. Don't but you put the, that in. The lake is vast. <laughs> it's really, really big, as is kind of what I'm trying to get at here. And for anybody unfamiliar with the Loch Ness Monster or as it's more familiarly known as Nessie, it, which I don't know why it's called a monster, but Nessie, I think, is a little more appropriate for most descriptions. Most people, most witnesses describe it as being like a some kind of aquatic animal with a long neck and a small head. And it usually has one or more humps seen coming out of the water. And if you want to look up a description, it's generally described as being similar as a plesiosaur. Plesiosaur? I don't know how you say it, but like the dinosaur, it kind of looks like a brontosaurus, but instead of legs, it's got flippers, you know, like that one. I'm sure people have seen pictures of it. I'm I'm very familiar with plesiosaurs just because I've spent so much time on ARC. Survival, survival evolved, (laughs) you know? Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I done tamed myself one of them. Yes, sir. Put a saddle on that some bitch, ride them around. It's better than a boat. Those saddles take too many supplies, too many resources. You could build an entire city out of the supplies required for a plesiosaur saddle. (laughs) (laughs) I digress, though. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. But anyways, uh, as Agent ETA said earlier, the earliest known sighting was sometime in the 5th century, but it was reported, it was written down by an abbot about 100 years later. And in that that particular, particular encounter... An Irish monk named St. Columba, I guess he was later sanctitized, he was traipsing through the land of the Picts with his entourage when they came across locals burying a man by the Ness River. The man had been swimming in the river and was attacked by a water beast. The beast chewed him up, spit him out, and then chewed him up a little bit more and dragged him underwater where he drowned. Columba, being the saintly saint that he is, sent one of his NPCs to swim across the river. The beast, of course, attempted to eat the NPC, but St. Columba was having none of it. He cast a magic spell on the beast, using his cross and some other holy relics, and the monster stopped in its spot in place as if it had been, as if it had been pulled back by ropes, and then it ran away. This is, uh, I'm kind of paraphrasing that account there, but this is the earliest written account of what of um of something that could maybe be the Loch Ness monster but the lore in the area actually goes back much much further and i found references to like paintings on rock of something that looked an awful lot like modern descriptions of the Loch Ness monster which i find highly highly interesting i think agent eta knows a little bit about the lore of the area well yeah i mean there's you know like i had, I had said before uh, lore in this area goes back, you know, as far as you can, you can trace back their civilization really, you know? Um, but th- there's a couple different, uh, you know, popular ones that, that, you know, I, I, I found kind of, uh, interesting. Um, so there's, a a giant flesh eating waterfowl and there's also, <laughs> you know, all right. So w- one of the ones I actually kind of really liked was, uh, this shape shifting water horse and, um, I believe, uh, damn here. Let me, let me, oh yeah. It's, it's the, uh, the Kelpie. So the Kelpie is a, a shaped, a shape shifting aquatic like horse, right? It's a, a, a legend in Scotland and, um, it, it can be depicted as a horse or sometimes even like in human form, but it's shape shifting. So, uh, it, it usually appears at the water's edge 
and lures people to ride it because it's a white, like glowing, like uh, a glorious depiction of a horse. You know what I mean? So anybody, a traveler that was, you know, coming by here, they are whatever area. And, um, you know, they would see this horse and it it looks so majestic and they would, you know, jump on it to ride it. Right. Cause why wouldn't you? Right. And, and, uh, so it would immediately jump into the water and then drown them. So that was, that was, uh, part, part of the, uh, you know, the, the water, one of the water related, um, lore figures, you know, in the area there, there's also, uh, this, uh, nine eyed eel, which I actually kind of think may be more closely related because, uh, of one of the actual research or with one of the studies that actually have, have been conducted within that lock. Um, and it had to do with the, uh, the environmental DNA present within the water in the lock. And, um, was anybody else, uh, I don't, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Was anybody else, uh, planning on talking about this, uh, the study here, the, the one that was done by the professor from New Zealand, uh, named Neil, uh, Neil Gamble. I just have some basic notes on it. Yeah. If you want to talk about the okay. DNA study, go for it, dude. Well, I, I figure it's kind of a good segue. You know, you know what I mean? Because one of the main theories that, that came out of that study was that it could be eels because eel DNA was one of the most common like uh, DNAs found within the water. And, um, there's, you know, there oh, were some there's basic- eel DNA, eel DNA all over the place in the lock everywhere. Yeah. Eel DNA. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's splattered <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. I understand. Yeah. Don't go swimming. <laughs> but Well, they, you know, they obviously found, yeah, right. <laughs> They, they, uh, well, they found DNA from, you know, even land-based animals and stuff. Cause obviously from the rains and stuff, you know, uh, stuff is going to drain into the lake, you know? So of course they're going to find all kinds of stuff that, that may kind of cloud up the, uh, the water, the findings. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess it it measures stuff that's been in proximity to the organisms, not necessarily the organisms themselves. And they like shed these small particles and then they mm-hmm. what do they do they concentrate and sequence and then compare to this international database to see I think what you they've would got be definitely more more qualified to explain that process <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure dna sequencing <laughs> uh, that might be above uh-huh. my pay grade well hey she's she's a physicist not a dna sequencer Damn well, it, sure man. but yeah she's but a I, physicist I, I, in general, though, I guarantee you, you know more about that than I do. Captain, I'm a <laughs> physicist, not a DNA sequencer. You know, I did find it interesting, though, what they didn't find. They didn't find sharks. They didn't find uh, any kind of dinosaur DNA, and they didn't find catfish. But like Agent ETA said, they found lots of eel DNA, but they couldn't tell if it was from many eels or one giant eel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so like, like you had said, the one, like two of the big uh, theories as far as like a natural reason why people might be uh, observing what they claim to be observing as far as like a big monster or something like that being present in the lake is it, it could have been a catfish or maybe like a giant sturgeon. And as a matter of fact, this study that we had just you know mentioned it actually ruled that out. Well, as far as what they found, because they they didn't find any evidence for either one of those two uh, species to be present in the lake. Well, 20, 20% of the DNA that they found was unexplained, meaning they can't account for it using the database. Yes. So. Yes. And that's, and that's, that's one of the big things that people talk about people that, that like, you know, they, those, they support the study because it's solid science, science that they were doing, you know? Um, but they also, they always bring up, you know, Hey, there was actually a certain segment that was unidentified DNA, you know, that they didn't, you know, they can't, you know, pinpoint a specific species, you know, for that. So, well, and, and that's who always, knows? Who knows what kind of DNA Nessie has? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, could I mean, that's one of the arguments too. Is, is a Nessie reptile or is it like a mammal, you know? But we we do know for sure there was a big giant eel making a mess all over the damn lock. Yeah, it's possible. That was definitely proven by the DNA study. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? Eh? Eh? Yeah, well, 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 I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of funny that you would uh say that because one of the eel species that has been um thought to be present there was uh what, what one of the names for it is called the eunuch eel. <laughs> serious. So, that can't be a real thing. <laughs> I think you're making it no, up. No, look it up. Look it up, bro. <laughs> Google that shit, bro. <laughs> All right. I actually, no, yeah. I'm going to look that up right now, and I'm kind of a little bit worried about what the results are going to be, but let's see. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> hey, just, all right, so make sure you don't include, like, uh, the word hentai in there. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. I can't. Oh, my, I'm blind. I can't, I can't believe it. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, no. I just like, I would just like to take this moment to say thank you to Japan. <laughs> all right. Well, just that, in general. That just, is a real just thing. Just in general. Okay. I, I stand corrected. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at a bunch of pictures of eels. And none of them look the slightest bit like a penis at all. So <laughs> not not even a little bit. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> maybe edit that bit out. I don't know. <laughs> no. Please, please don't. <laughs> all right. So where do we pick up here? Oh, uh, we were where, talking where we about off, the of. environmental DNA sequencing. Big giant oh, yeah, eel yeah. spraying Mr. DNA no, all over the damn place. No, we're done with that part. Oh, sorry. Okay, give my mind Neil Gimmel. Yeah, yeah, dude, come on now, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, we're we're switching. Well, usually, this is ETA's job. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I was saying. No, no, I, I like it. I like what's going yeah. on here. This is. <laughs> This is very enjoyable for me to sit back and... <laughs> it's getting weird. <laughs> no, weird is great. Weird is good, dude. That's, that, you know, weird, weird is great. Weird is good. Yeah, like like, like the old saying, variety. You know, it's a spice of life, right? Yeah. yeah sometimes tries, sometimes the variety gets weird, baby. <laughs> All right, maybe we'll, we might want to edit that part out. Yeah, no, 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 some no. That, sounded, some that. that sounded kind of creepy. Yeah, we'll no, see. So, hey, sometimes this My stuff kind of falls... You got, hey, you got to try it out, and sometimes it falls flat. And when I, if I feel well, like it falls flat, I'll just cut it out. No big deal. Well, I, I'll tell you what I am going to do is blame on the conspiracy juice. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been I've been hitting that a little bit myself. We got some conspiracy rum that we got. I got some conspiracy kettle one. Oh shit, kettle oh. one's not bad. Mm -hmm. It's not bad. Yeah, man. I got my pinky up too. <laughs> <laughs> so Agent Anderson was talking about the lock itself, and I wanted to discuss. And I wanted to discuss the geology of the lock. There's a fault that's super straight. You can see it from space. That's the Great Glen Fault. And it cuts Diagon Alley. No, diagonally oh. from <laughs> Highlands <laughs> to wish. Inverness. And it's important hey, because... Real quick, yeah. real quick, Diagon Alley, I think would be a great name for like a, a, like a new age punk band. <laughs> <laughs> if they don't get That'd good, sued. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Actually, I think it's a good name. That's I'm sorry. I'm just saying this all. E I'll shut up. Hey, we are, <laughs> I'm, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to to so effortless, effortlessly derail the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but ETA, do you know where? I don't think you know where that's from. Di Diagon Alley. I don't. No, it's, I thought that was a new word that, that Agent Ether just made up. No, it's from Harry Potter. Oh, it is. Yeah, okay, I did not yeah, know that. That's why it's funny. But yeah. Now, now, yeah. Not. Okay, now that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
All right. So as I was Never saying, mind. there's this there's this fault. You can see it from space. And it's important because it has lateral movement. And this was before the plate tectonics theory was established. There was a scientist who showed that this lateral movement was possible. And this is called a strike slip or a wrench fault. And the way it moves has produced this zone of shattered rock. It's half a mile wide and it's mostly under the Loch Ness itself. It erodes very easily and accounts for the straightness of this fault. And because of the way the fault is, it's a strike-slip fault. It's actually very active, and it averages three quakes per century at about a Richter level of four. And in 1816, there was the strongest ever recorded, and it was felt all over Scotland. The Loch Ness itself is 10,000 years old and dates back from the end of the last ice age when huge glaciers filled the valley above the present watershed. So the depth of the lake is actually 600 feet below sea level and the floor is very smooth with layers of sediment and hard clay. And it's interesting because Agent Anderson mentioned how deep it was. But what some people might not realize is how deep it is, how, what some people might not realize is how deep it gets, how quickly. So 60 feet from the shore, it's 500 feet down. Dang. Huh. That's, that's pretty crazy. Huh. I wonder how good the fishing is there. <laughs> that's uh, a good question. Probably. It's I eely. imagine it's not bad. But there's not sturgeon and catfish, apparently. Yeah, true enough. That's well from what I understand, yeah. Eh, people shouldn't be eating catfish anyways. They're so weird looking. Oh, no. You ever had good fried catfish? Uh, actually, no. I haven't. Mm. Mm. I actually have. Sounds Make us bad. some catfish, Agent ETA. I'd be down. I, yeah. I think, right, some, some, of the, some of the areas I fish in around where I live right now, there's catfish. Now, I wouldn't necessarily eat this catfish because it's from the Colorado River, and I have found plenty of parasite upon yeah. them <laughs> so never mind like, don't get me wrong i enjoy catching them you know and and you know but i, I typically do catch and release with those for sure because it's just mm-hmm. ah, ah they can get big you, though catfish can get really big oh yeah the old catfish can get huge i mean there, there's catfish around the world that literally are big enough to swallow a full-grown human being you know what i mean literally they're that freaking big like or, like in southeast asia and even in the amazon as well there's some giant species of catfish, and they have such a giant mouth too. And they tend the the way that they they operate is like, like they're ambush predators, and they tend to swallow prey whole a lot of times too. If 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 it's the right size, of course, for whatever size catfish you're talking about. But no, I, people you know think the catfish is an ugly creature, but I actually find them pretty fascinating. I mean, there, there's so many different variant species of of, of catfish, and I don't know that there's a there's. I find them pretty interesting, and not only you know because uh, how many different types of catfish there are, but also they're catfish are like prehistoric creatures, man. They've been around forever, you know. Hmm. But I, I just find I don't know. I, I'm sorry to go off on that wild tangent, but no, I, find, I do find cool. catfish pretty interesting. ETA has promised to come up to where I live in Northern California and go fishing with me and catch some good shit and cook it. Oh, oh, dude, we're we're gonna go crab fishing. We're gonna throw some some crab snares off off of the coast there. We're we're gonna get some like rockfish and stuff. There, there's some good eating. There's some good eating up up where you're at. I don't. The only thing I know about fishing is that you you have a fishing pole, and you have a hook on a line, and you put some Velveeta cheese on the hook, and then fish <laughs> eat the Velveeta cheese, and then you 
catch them and eat them, I guess. Like that's, that's <laughs> well, literally maybe, the extent maybe, of my fishing knowledge. That's as much maybe as I know. Maybe in a lake that has like domesticated catfish or something that always has a, like contact with humans. Like they're eating like, you know, chunks of bread and stuff all the time. We have stocked lakes up here too. In addition to having the ocean, which is up here yeah. really good fishing, we have stocked lakes. Oh, I mean, they uh, have to it, stock the lakes, you know, because there's just too many people fishing it. Um, to you know, there's just no way that it could support the population. Let's talk about some of the more prominent sightings throughout the years. So the the first kind of modern sighting was in 1871, when somebody named D. McKenzie witnessed an object like a log or upturned boat wiggling around and churning up the water. He said it moved slowly at first, and then it gained speed and disappeared. A little bit later, in 1888, Alexander MacDonald also saw the monster. He described it as a large, stubbly-legged animal that looked like a salamander. It surfaced from the lock and then got within 50 yards of the shore before it disappeared. But the, there's a cup, like a handful of sightings from, you know, times of old. But the modern era of the Loch Ness Monster really began in the early 1930s. And that's mm -hmm. when you had a really, really well-publicized sighting that um, you saw some mass media interest and like worldwide attention. So it was no longer just local lore and local stories. But, you know, because of the, you know, modern, at the time, modern um, news media, it traveled the globe. So you had people from all over the world becoming interesting. And at the same time, in the early 30s, you well, some people think that this is possibly the reason why a new road had been built around the Loch Ness, which allowed mm -hmm. people better access. So it was a lot easier for just about anybody to go there. You didn't have to hire, you know, some kind of special guide that could hike you through the wildernesses of Scotland, you know. Just in general, you're going to have a, a whole lot more people in the area traveling that area, you know, so yeah. that, that, you know, the Loch Ness monster myth or, or, you know, tale, whatever you want to call it is so popular in that area that, you know, there's going to be plenty of people that might just be, you know, on their way home from work and they have a couple extra minutes or something like that. And that, they're, you know, they're just like, oh, I think I'll stop off to the side and take a look at the lock. You know, I if would. anything, maybe, maybe, maybe they don't even have that in, in mind. Maybe they're just enjoying the scenery. You know what I mean? Right. And they happen to see something that looks off to them, you know, or like, wait, what the heck is that? type of thing you know what i yeah. mean so that that occurrence just in general is going to jump up i think for sure you know what i mean after that road was built you right know I mean? and in addition to that various outlets and entities were offering prizes if anybody could capture nessie dead or alive and yeah. <laughs> for example one circus owner named bertram mills offered a reward of 20,000 pounds if anybody could bring Nessie alive to his circus. And in today's money, 20,000 pounds is like all of it, all of the money that's, you know, because of inflation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You'd have to well, look that obviously, one up. <laughs> obviously, that's a hollow, a hollow promise because I'm sure that guy, you know, just that was just, you know, designed for attention, you know. Right, and, yeah. That it, guy, even if you did bring Nessie to, to his uh, circus or whatever, he Still probably wouldn't pay you. He, he ain't got that money. He, he's not going <laughs> to... One circus owner, I mean, I, I don't know. How, how much money could this guy have? I doubt he had that much, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in, in the 1930s, we have a couple of interesting sightings. Like in 1933, George Spicer and his wife 
saw um, uh, how they described it. They saw a most extraordinary form of animal cross the road. So I have to do a, I can't really do a Scottish accent, which is kind of kind of stupid because I am actually part Scottish. <laughs> if you couldn't tell by the name, which is, you know, but anyways, um, an animal crossed the road in front of their car. It had a large body about four feet high and 25 feet long. Its neck was long, wavy and narrow, and it was a little thicker than an elephant's trunk and as long as the width of the road, which was about 12 feet. So that was like the head and neck region were about 12 feet long. It crossed the road towards the lock and it left a trail as it went because it was coming through the brush and then it crossed the road and it went into the bushes on the other side and disappeared towards the lock and they didn't see any more of it after that. Also- Sounds a little bit, sounds a little bit more like a sighting of Chupacabra than Nessie. Yeah. I mean, it could have been Chupacabra. You never know. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) geographically speaking, it's (laughs) unlikely, but hey. (laughs) Oh, you know what? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, you're right. I got an open mind. So what the hell, right? (laughs) Which, by the way, uh, I hope soon we could do an episode on that. Because, oh hell that yeah, fun. I'll do. Fun. I will. I will put it on the calendar right now. I will put Chubacabra. No, just just kidding. Man, there's hell an X Files yeah. episode with the Chubacabra. It was uh-huh. so good. I don't know if you've I know seen exactly it or not. What you're talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah. Excellent episode. I really enjoyed it. My favorite cryptid episode of the X Files, though is when he was hunting or he, I mean, they, they were hunting like a, a lizard, like a kind of like a were lizard kind of a cryptid, but it turns out spoilers. You find out at the end of the episode that it was actually a lizard that had gotten bitten by a human. So it was like a were human or something. It was, (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think I've seen this episode. It was on one of the later seasons, but it was, okay. It was, I think it was like season eight. I forget which it's been a while. But one of those seasons uh. where overall the season wasn't that great, but they had a couple of episodes that were kind of humorous that were like really a lot of fun. And this was one of them. Yeah, because at a certain point, X-Files, like kind of, they they started injecting mm-hmm. a little bit more humor, right? As far as being yeah. like, like, they started becoming a little bit less serious about it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I kind of lost interest after the whole, I don't know. They went on a tangent. I love the creature features. Those were my favorite. Yeah, they mm-hmm. used to do like every... It didn't used to be like uh, like an overarching plot. It would just be sort of every episode was standalone, and it would they would take on maybe a yeah. cryptid or like a particular type of alien or something. And then, it, but over time, they got more and more into like this overarching plot with you know like the smoking man and all this other stuff. It was it was good at first, but they just kept it going and going. And at some point, you're like, all right, just get back to the creature of the week. You know, like I want more chupacabras, less aliens. You know. Just, uh, yeah, yeah I agree with says that. the alien conspiracy podcast i would i would <laughs> never <laughs> all right where was i let's get back to the loch ness monster so yeah so also in 1933 hugh gray saw nessie he took actually the first ever photograph of it and it's a picture of uh i looked it up it's kind of it's a blurry something <laughs> It's definitely a picture and it's definitely something. It's been analyzed by many, many people and there are convincing arguments on both sides. Some people say it was like a dog swimming in the water with a stick in its mouth, but mm-hmm. that that's kind of like a skeptical explanation, but people have 
analyzed it and said, well, because of this, that, and the other, it can't really be a dog with a stick in its mouth, which is kind of convincing. But I mean, like uh, this picture, I'm on the fence because it's just kind of like blurry and you can't really tell what it is. So it's really hard to come down on one side or the other. But it is historically interesting because it's the first picture of the Loch Ness Monster, at least maybe. I don't know. But anyways, Gray estimated that the creature was 40 feet long with a rounded back and a muscular tail. The next sighting, so I'm not going to talk about every single sighting because there's like thousands of them. I'm just going to talk about like some of the most prominent ones. So fast forward Mm. to 1934, Arthur Grant almost hit Nessie while riding his motorcycle at 1 a.m. in the morning. He was driving along and a large shape loomed from the right side of the road. He described it as having a small head and a long neck, and it looked like a cross between a seal and a plesiosaur. It motor, uh, it saw him and crossed the road toward the lock. He got off his motorcycle and followed it, but as it entered the water, he only saw ripples where it had disappeared. Were, were you talking? Uh, were you planning on talking about the uh, the surgeon's photo? Ah, uh, yeah, that's actually was next on my list. This this one's actually kind of fun. So this is the surgeon's photo was taken in 1934. And it's probably the most famous photo. If you can think of like an iconic photo of the Loch Ness monster that you've seen by far, it's probably this photo. Yeah. By far, uh, this is going to be the photo that most everybody who thinks about the Loch Ness monster, that's what they're going to, that's probably going to be the first mental image they have. That that was true for me, to be quite honest. When when I first uh, found out that this was going to be the next episode we did, you know, I was like, that that was the mental image I had. Boom. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> because you know, you know, you, what it kind of reminds me also is like these these large plastic dinosaur toys that I had when I was a kid, uh-huh. right? And like, I think there was one that I had left, like a Brontosaurus or something like that. And like, um, this to me that like like this picture, the surgeon's photo, looks like a plastic toy dipped up out of the water. You know, just like the neck, the the tall neck of like you know. Um, some sort of a, like a plastic dinosaur toy, <laughs> to be quite honest, you know, <laughs> like, I, I don't know, man. Like, it's just like, if it was a real photo, which actually, by the way, for our listeners, this photo was definitively proven to be, to be a hoax. Well, but, hold on but, there. Um, it is a real photo. It is, but it was also <laughs> revealed to have been a hoax from what I understand. Right. Yeah. By, yeah. Uh, Al- Alistair Boyd. Yeah. It's definitely a hoax. It, it's. Yeah. So the show, the photo shows what looks like a, a long neck with a head, right? And uh-huh. it kind of looks like a shadow. Like you can't really see the features that well. But mm-hmm. so apparently there are actually four photos taken the, as the story goes, but only this one is clear. The other ones are, are didn't develop that well or were like too blurry to make anything out. And yeah. it was the photo was originally supposedly taken by a man named a doctor named Robert Kenneth Wilson. And he was supposedly a gynecologist working in London. Now that's, that's like the official story, but it turns out that, so when you see the picture, it's usually cropped or zoomed in a lot. So it looks, Hey, can can I be honest with you for a quick second? What's up? When I first, like when I see this, this photo, you know what it really reminds me of? I have no idea. That cartoon, that cartoon movie from my childhood, The Land Before Time. Oh, oh shit, yeah, The Land Before Time. That's a good movie. That's like from what, 80, 
88, I think. Yeah, 1988. It had, had to have been like either early 90s or late 80s. Oh, like man. Yeah, I grew his, up with that. His mom <laughs> dies and you're just like, this movie sucks. <laughs> just give the thing a starly. Hey, that movie gave me the feels when I was a kid. It you did. Know what I mean? It was an it important did. movie oh, yeah. in my upbringing. And you know, <laughs> and you can still watch it. It's one of those timeless movies. My kids have seen it. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a yeah. good film. Oh, hell yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's still a good uh, film for kids, for sure. Like, yeah, it, it, I think it uh, it spans the uh, test of time. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of depressing, It's a, it's a good man. damn movie. It's like, like a Disney movie, something. Somebody always has to die at Everybody, the fucking ever, the whole world, everybody dies at the end. Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, don't. don't damn it. But you still had the... Uh, no little foot. So, oh, the there's group, little foot, the right? Team. And then Petrie, Petrie. Petrie was neck. Petrie the... Uh, and Ducky, the, remember Ducky? Yeah, yeah, Ducky. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, dude, so cute. They're so cute, and they each have their own little personalities. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch that tomorrow. Yeah, that I was my jam cartoons. growing up too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm never watching that movie again. It's too depressing. I can't, I can't handle it. <laughs> it has a good ending. They live happily ever nah, after, and the T Rex gets killed. Yeah, like, like five that, dinosaurs uh, live happily ever after. Everybody else dies. It's just those five. What was the T-Rex called? Was it um, Sharp Tooth? Yeah. Is it Sharp Tooth? Mm-hmm. Okay. Wasn't there another one called like Chomper or some shit too though? That I don't was the think little so. offspring in the sequels, yeah. I think, uh, oh, the sequels it? are- Am I mixing- mm. Was it, was it yeah, Jerk booty. Face and Dickhead? No. I don't know. There's only yeah. one movie. Come on, guys. Ignore the- Those are yeah. made for TV. No, you, no, you're right. No, you're right. Yeah. The Land Before Time, the original, the first one, that is the only one that I accept. Yeah. That, that's the only canon. all right let's get back to the lockness monster that was on topic that was actually not that that was not as off topic as we sometimes get it was (laughs) was not that bad that's true okay related to dinosaurs you keep that in dinosaur damn it that's that's staying in for sure man okay Come on, it's... All your agents having all the feels, it's got to stay in. It's one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen, and we subject our children <laughs> to it. I mean, you know, it's got to stay in. If you if you have kids and you want them to be an absolute train wreck when they grow up, show them this movie. They will love it. No, I'm just kidding. It's not that bad. No, it's, it's, no, it's, no, it's, it's a good really lesson. It's a, it is a good lesson. Yeah. The movie a, is, a, is a good lesson, I think. It's, you know? Your, your parents are going to die. Your friends are going to die. Everybody in your life is going to die. It's a lesson in friendship and resilience. Because you don't want happy children. You want them to have a midlife crisis when they're fucking eight years old. You know, (laughs) it's a small, it's a, it's a small microcosm of a representation of an an entire lifespan. You know what I mean? Because uh, it's inevitable death, of course, for any entity, anything that is alive. You're gonna well, die for the dinosaurs. Is sure fucking was <laughs> big hey, rock throughout, decided that throughout your life. If, you, if you're going to live a good life, you need to have trials and tribulations and struggles and good times and bad times. Hey, speak in, in for order yourself, for it to man. be worth it. I'm gonna right? I'm gonna fucking ascend to the astral plane. All right, so I'm not worried about it. <laughs> yeah, I plan <laughs> I'm on an uh, astral residing. god. Yeah, <laughs> star child. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so let's now get we've back gone to the off picture. topic. <laughs> Oh, do we? Yeah, do we yeah, just get yeah. off topic again? Let's get back to this picture. So it is, my bad. It is unfortunately as it's kind of you know it's kind of a bummer, but it is unfortunately a hoax. If you look at the picture in close detail, it's usually shown cropped or zoomed in on the Loch Ness monster itself, and it makes it look like it's much bigger than it is. 
If you look at the full image in perspective, what appears to be big waves are actually small ripples. Mm-hmm. And people have analyzed the object and they say that the object in the picture is probably like two or three feet, not like really like 10 feet or really big or whatever, you know, witnesses may say it is. So what happened was the object was actually, it was a toy submarine modified by a dude named Christian Sperling. So what happened was a guy named Marmaduke Weatherall. That's the most goddamn English name I've heard in my entire life. Marmaduke. (laughs) Marmaduke Weatherall. Weatherall. Good good day to you, sir. What is your name, my Good sir, Marmaduke. My yeah. name is Mamaduke. Hop, 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 hop. Marmalade. I want a t-shirt with says, you know, Marmaduke Weatherall. It's just, uh, that's that's quite the name right there, you know? <laughs> that's a no, that's a that is a powerful name. Yeah. Well, dude, you, you would not be trifling with somebody named Marmaduke Weatherall, you know? Sounds like a knight. Yeah, like, wait a minute, what is that's wait, an English name? boxer if I ever heard it? There you go. Yeah. Oh, that's that, that might be a bare knuckled English boxer, you know? Yes, sir. I guarantee you guys. that fellow went through his entire life suffering a grand total of zero fools, you know? Zero. Yeah, he probably has he probably has a flattened nose through experience, you know what I mean? Right, like, yeah. You know, the bridge of his nose is not, you know, it's not arched like the average individual. It's probably flat. He just sounds like an <laughs> overall badass. Anyways, Marmaduke, <laughs> Marmaduke was he was the uh, he was the father-in-law of uh, of Christian Sperling, who I just mentioned. And what happened was his employer was the Daily Mail, and they publicly ridiculed him over some footprints, some Nessie footprints that he had brought to the paper that had turned out to be hoax. Now, Marmaduke, being somebody who suffers zero fools and is not one to be trifled with, he decided to create an elaborate hoax to get back at the Daily Mail. So he and some co-conspirators, he went and bought a toy from F.W. Woolworths, which I'm guessing is, you know, a department store in England. I don't know. Uh And he had a Christian Sperling um, sculpted a head and neck out of wood putty. They tested the the thing out in a pond before taking it out to the Loch Ness. So they took it to an area near the Altse. I, I don't know how to pronounce this, man. My ancestors are rolling in their graves. It's A L T S A I G H. I mean, how would you say that? Altse, Altse, Altse. Yeah, no, I hell if I know. I don't know. Anyways, the whatever tea house. <laughs> if you want to look it up, that word <laughs> tea house. And when they heard a water bailiff, apparently that's, you know, police that operate in, on, around, or about the water. They call them water bailiffs. Uh, They heard a water bailiff approaching. Duke Weatherell sank the model with his foot, and he later later said that it was presumably still in the lock. Oh, man, can you imagine finding that? I mean, the find of the century, man. Yeah, forget finding the Loch Ness Monster, man. That's what I want in my museum. Mm. I want so, it in my mm-hmm. house. They they uh they took the photos of this. It was a, a toy submarine with a big, well, you know, small putty head built on it. <laughs> and they they photographed it. They gave the photos to their friend Wilson. Remember that I mentioned earlier that was the uh the London gynecologist to 
to have them developed. And uh, apparently Wilson, he enjoyed a good prank. So they he sent them to uh, to the Daily Mail. And I'm guessing they had the friend do this rather than do it directly because, you know, he kind of worked there and they would know if he did it or he had his son-in-law do it, they would be on to him. So that he gave it to one of his friends to do. They sent it in in the Daily Mail. Uh, they printed, they published the photo and they announced that the monster had been photographed and that it was real. And therefore, um, Marmaduke successfully completed probably one of the best trolls in known history. <laughs> I mean, it's hmm. normally, um, normally hoaxes I'm not a big fan of because it's kind of like you're making fun of people. But in this case, it's just, it's a really, really fun hoax. It, it's got to be up there with some of the, one of the best hoaxes ever, right? Because huh. just, it's like, oh, yeah. talk about playing the long game too, you know? You know how awesome it would be to pull that off and be the guy that pulled that off? <laughs> I tricked them for generations. What is Mar? What is so Marmaduke is a? Let me get this straight. Mar- Marmaduke is a dude. Marmaduke. Right? Yeah. Is that the same guy that like like uh, is famous for giving interesting in, uh, interviews to like like famous musicians and stuff? And mm, I, I, not that I know of. What, what does he look like? I I have not seen a picture of him actually. Like a dude. Uh, Dang it! Never, never mind. I, I'm, I, I may be thinking about a different person that has a very similar name, although I am uh, blanking at, at the moment as far as what the name is. I mean, it could be. I, I'm not sure. I don't know really anything about his career outside of uh, uh, this particular case. Actually, you know, he has a camera with a monkey on it. I'll put it in the Discord. All right. Huh. And for all you listeners, our Discord is currently closed, so <laughs> you can't see it. but if anybody wants to join our discord let me know i'm not necessarily opposed to the idea it's just you know uh we just use it for chatting amongst ourselves yeah and sometimes i put pictures of uh, elmer fudd there too yeah and posting completely inappropriate pictures and gifts and things that you probably don't want to just join facebook yeah join facebook it's much better it's a lot of fun (laughs) we're all having fun over there if you if you think Facebook is a dumpster fire, well, you haven't seen our Discord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. All right. Anyways, so that that was the the most successful troll in the history of the human race, and like it, it went on. It be, it became the iconic picture. I mean, it's just I don't think you can really understate just how successful this guy was. You know, it's pretty pretty breathtaking, actually. All right, let's move on to some more famous sightings. In 1951, Mr. Lachlan Stewart witnessed something moving on the lock. He ran to the shore and he saw three humps about 50 yards away. Each hump was about five feet long and they were moving together at a fast speed. He took a photograph of it, which clearly shows the three humps. After he took the photo, he saw a small head and long neck come out of the water the creature turned towards the center of the lake and dove, disappearing under the water. He estimated that the head and neck were about six feet in length, and he saw motion in the water about 20 feet behind the third hump that he assumed was a tail. So that's a probably another really famous, but not, not quite as famous as the last one, but it's another really famous witness and photo that we yeah made. Yeah. It's, it's right, that photo is right up there with it. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a close, you know, second, you know, or third, but you know, it's right there. 
Yeah, it does show up. It's the one with like the 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 three like yeah the three humps. It's a pretty yeah. famous photo. Yeah. Yeah. So moving right along to 1954, this is the first sonar event. A fishing boat named Rival Three saw a large object on sonar. It kept pace with a boat for about 2,600 feet, or I don't know, approximately half a mile, at a depth of about 479 feet. And the interesting thing about this is that the sonar return was much larger than what you would expect from anything that should be in the in the lock. So we, we know what should be living there. There's a couple of types of fish and different other things, but nothing should be able to give a sonar return as big as what they saw. And that's why it's interesting. On the other hand, uh, skeptics say it was, you know, like some some rogue plankton or perhaps some, you know, seaweed that had, you know, come in from the ocean or perhaps a seal mm-hmm. or something that shouldn't have been there, but was at the end of the day, we don't really know. We just can have to say that it was something unusual at the very least. It was there, whatever it was. Yep. It was, yeah, it was a real something. I mean, the way sonar works, you're not going to get a return on something that is nothing. It's at least something, I guess. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right. In 1960, <laughs> aeronautical <laughs> in 1960, aeronautical engineer Tim Dinsdale caught Nessie on camera. He took 40 feet of film that shows a hump going across the lock leaving a wake. And you can actually look this up online. This might be the most famous video taken ever. Yeah, it's, it's been a part, it's been a part of quite a few like documentaries. Like if you've ever watched like like a, a history channel like documentary on the Loch Ness Monster, you've probably seen this, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's it's kind of interesting. It's like stuff like this makes me want to do a live show and figure out how to deal with all like the legal ramifications so that we could show some of this stuff. But mm-hmm. I mean, it, you see something in the distance and it's definitely kind of weird looking, but you don't really see enough detail in the video. You can't really tell what it is. You can just see that there's something there and it's leaving a wake. But uh, later shows have, you know, more recent shows have done enhancements or analysts or whatever. But one of the shows did it that I'm thinking of, I, th- I think it was Discovery Channel. Uh, I forgot to put up my notes, or but maybe whichever. Like National Ge- Geographic or oh yeah, or one of those be. ones. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, that actually, might be it. it's, it's probably one of those ones, you know. Like it, yeah. They're all, they're all kind of, like, you know, they're kind of similar, you know, as far as what they, as far as what they do, you know. Yeah. But they, they did like an enhancement of it and they found what looked to be the like the rear body of a creature under the water. And the person doing the the analysis said that at first they were very skeptical, but after doing the analysis, they weren't so sure. Like they weren't convinced necessarily, but they weren't necessarily a hardcore skeptic. Like they went into it thinking, mm-hmm. ah, it's bullshit, but eh, it's a paycheck, whatever. And then they come yeah. out of it going, well, maybe... Maybe could I don't be know. Some, could, could be, be some, but there's nothing be. definitive. Yeah, which I can respect because like they're taking a chance at that point with that statement. You know. Yeah, yeah. So it's it, it's weird. It's not necessarily conclusive, but it's definitely an interesting video that anybody interested should definitely check out. Yeah. All right. Next up on the list in chronological order, in 1973. Mr. Jenkins of Pont Claire, who lived in a house on the shore of the Loch Ness, he was outside messing around with a tractor. He was trying to get it started, and he put some starter fluid in the engine. 
when he turned it on to start it up, it created a loud explosion when the engine ignited. It was so loud that his wife, who was inside of the house, heard it. He also heard uh, near the water, he heard a loud splash as if something had been thrown into the water. At the time, he thought that it was a little unusual. He got out of the tractor and he walked around to get a better view of the shore. He noticed some concentric circles in the water near a jetty. An animal quietly emerged from the water and then submerged straight down. It appeared again and then it swam off. It seemed to have a smooth motion while it was swimming. It had a, it had a head and neck that stuck up above the water and he said it was slate black and it looked like it was about nine inches in diameter. It had a slit mouth, some large scales on top of its head, but not mm. on its neck. And it had a tiny eye above its mouth. And there, so there's weird. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting description. And here you have, it could so, be a, a giant eel. It, I mean, that's that we'll get to that. Yeah. But I mean, that's one Mutated of the eel. to get ahead of ourselves a little bit. That's one of the foremost explanations to explain people who are actually seeing something and who aren't making it mm -hmm. up because this guy didn't own a newspaper. He wasn't a reporter. He didn't have anything to gain financially. Maybe he was a person who liked to tell tall tales. But on the other hand, there's, I'm kind of like going over just a couple of the, but there's so many people who saw something similar to this that it's hard yeah. to say that everybody is making something up. So here you have somebody who's just messing around with his tractor. He really doesn't have anything to gain at all from creating a fabricated story like this, at least not that right. I could tell. So mm. why would he just make something like this up? I don't know. Maybe he wanted the attention. Who knows? 15 minutes of fame. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't yeah. know. Somebody who's not accustomed to fame doesn't really like it when it's just like brought to them, you know, they're a celebrity overnight. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I mean, that, to me, that, 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 that kind of seems to make more sense that like your average individual probably wouldn't want the attention. You yeah. Know? So for, for your average individual to make, you know, some kind of a claim. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I don't know. It takes a certain a certain amount of effort to even make the claim. You know what I mean to to put yourself out there like that. So, you know, I don't know. And there there could be something within the culture that that you know I'm not understanding as far as you know how popular it is. You know, but like uh, I don't know. There there's so many people that have uh, stated the same thing as far as what they've seen. Yeah, I mean, I always, I mean, there has to be an inspiration for it somewhere, right? So I mean, yeah, like yeah. I always think that. Uh, for the longest time, I thought the Vikings shaped their ships after the sea creatures that they witnessed. You know what I mean? So hence uh -huh. the giant mastheads that look similar to Nessie, if you will. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like it's yeah, somebody you got to have some inspiration for it. For sure. Comes hmm. from somewhere. That's actually an interesting angle. I wonder if that is based on something in reality. Because I've tried look. I've tried looking it up, and I can't find anything concrete. And that's what the angle I was going for it for. But I can't find like some juicy material on it to really base it off. But mm. there, there is some little micro, little you know, opinions about it. But yeah. sometimes legends aren't based on anything in reality. But other times, like let's say the Trojan horse or whatever, sometimes it's absolutely based on something that really happened. So it's just kind of interesting yeah, to go. ask what if, yeah. right? Right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah. spark that uh the critical thinking and imagination yeah why not yeah I, i'm skipping an awful lot of uh anecdotes but um let's let's skip ahead to uh 2007 so it's not that there wasn't anything that happened in the meantime between 1973 and 2007 but at some point it, there's there's enough similarity to where you're just sort of beating a dead horse and you know we do do you really want to hear us do hours and hours of just reading anecdotes of nessie i mean so i wanted to kind of <laughs> cut some of those out that i found there's just we're, really we're, we're talking about like the eunuch eel yeah no? yeah yeah we got to leave time for things like the eunuch eel and stuff <laughs> like that yeah absolutely so i i cut out a lot of stuff so i at this point i decided to fast forward a little bit and talk about some more modern stuff that's you know maybe a little more relevant to people who are like you know possibly alive when it happened so let's fast forward to 2007 when some a man named Gordon Holmes caught something moving across the water on video, he described it as jet black and forty five or forty six feet long. And if you, you can look up this video, so just Google uh, Gordon Holmes uh, Loch Ness monster or something like that, and you can find the video. And mm -hmm. it does show something, but just like some of the previous things we've talked about, there's not really enough detail to say. 100% that this is the Loch Ness monster. I mean, it, it could be a guy on a jet ski. It could be a dog. Well, maybe not a guy on a jet ski, but you know what I mean? Like there, it's open to interpretation, but it's probably one of the better modern sightings that you can actually see on video. And in 2011, a boat captain named Marcus Atkinson photographed a sonar image of a five foot wide unidentified swimming object, which is, you know, right up my alley that followed his boat for two minutes at a depth of 75 feet. Some people say that it was like algae or, you know, rogue amoebas or whatever, but other people say that it was a truly anonymous happening. And that, that's another sort of modern thing that you might be, there, there's a bunch of them, even in the modern era. So that's just like kind of a couple of them. But there's been so many sightings and photographs and videos and anecdotes and everything throughout the years that you just you couldn't possibly go over them all unless you wanted to do like uh, like a 24 hour podcast on just, you know, multiple you, there, there are entire podcasts, I'm sure, about the Loch Ness Monster. In addition to these sightings, there were also expeditions over the years, people like who got together to try to basically scientifically try to find evidence of, of Nessie. Um, but all of those were sort of inconclusive, but they do have some good evidence. I took some notes on those. Maybe I'll talk about those in a little bit, but right now I feel like I've been talking for a little bit of time. So maybe I'll turn it over to somebody else for a different topic to kind of mix it up a little bit. Well, you forgot to mention, uh, the most recent photo, which was taken in September of 2019. Okay. And this was one Steve Chalice. He was on vacation in Scotland. I'm not sure if he was by or in a castle. I think it's an older castle, so probably he was just by it on the West Bank in Loch Ness. And he took this photo. Now, he says he believes it's a catfish or a sturgeon because there's catfish which can get up to 660 pounds. That's the one in the Guinness Book of World Records. That's a big fish. It is a big fish, but... You know, again, we've talked about all this DNA evidence and how they haven't found any catfish in the Loch Ness. So, 
It's uh, it's it's a great photo. I'll, I'll put it online. It does look like a catfish to me because of the patterns. I guess every catfish has specific patterns on its back, and it's kind of like a fingerprint. And yeah. some people think the photo is faked because there's this image of a 286-pound catfish taken by Benjamin Grunder, and the patterns look kind of the same when you blow up the picture from Loch Ness. But this guy, he insists, he says, you know, I've sent it to some friends for analysis and it's a real photo. I just don't know what it is. I think it's a fish, but could be Loch Ness. Mm. And that's the most recent photo. I think it's a fish. I think it's a fish, <laughs> but it could be Nessie. A uh, fishy. That's kind of a strange thing to say because... Isn't that weird? So he takes well, the picture, he releases it. But then he's like, I think it's a fish. But here, have this picture that might also be the Loch Ness Monster. It, yeah, if if you have an opinion, you got an opinion. Like, you're not going to just say, well, this is, hey, man, I dropped my basketball in the lake. But it, it could have been Nessie. I don't know. Just saying, you know, it might not be. A, like, who like who says? It, <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're going to say it's Nessie, just, just grow a pair and say it's Nessie. Say, yeah, this is Nessie. I saw, or just say. I took a picture and I'm not sure what it is. But if it's a catfish, why would you say that I took a picture of Nessie, but it's actually a catfish? I don't understand. It's kind of strange. Yeah, and that was a quote from him. That wasn't just paraphrasing. Like, he said he thought it was. So, I just, it was very strange. But that was the news article I found, so I thought I'd mention it. Okay. All right. Did, did you have something, before I get on to some of the studies or whatever, did you have something you wanted to talk about, Agent ETA or Agent Kruger? No, no, I'm no. good. I'm sorry. All right. Well, I tell you what. What? What? No, I just told you what. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Chicken butt. All right. Let's get into some of these studies. Uh, there, there have been uh, large scale efforts to find some evidence of Nessie throughout the years. For example, in 1967 and 68, they did a sonar study and they got some inconclusive hits that could have been. Nessie, but may or may not have been. Starting in 1972 and going all the way through 2008, a dude named Robert Rines led multiple expeditions using sonar trying to identify or to find Nessie. So what his goal was to identify strange objects with sonar and then use submerged cameras to photograph anything that was kind of weird. He produced several controversial photographs, and you can find these online. They're, they're compelling. Some of them are not that compelling or interesting, but there's a few of them where I, you kind of look at them and you go, well, that looks like something that might not be normal. It looks a little weird, but they're not that conclusive because I, I don't know if we mentioned it or not, but... One of the big problems with finding the Loch Ness Monster is that the water in the Loch Ness is it's very, very hard to see through it. The area has a lot of like peat, which uh, it's, you know, we're not talking about like a dude named Pete. It's like actual P-E-A-T. It's like kind of like swampy or like decaying vegetable matter. So the the water itself is very, very foggy and cloudy and you can't really see that far in the water at all. So it makes it really hard to observe anything under there, whether or not you have a camera on a submarine or whatever you have. It doesn't matter. You're not going to be able to see more than a couple of feet in front of it at, at the very best. It gets really thick. 
Yeah, that stuff is tough to see through. And don't we know we know more about space than we do our own oceans? And I know the walk isn't like the whole ocean, but it's I mean, it just goes to show that it's hard to navigate, you know, the waters and really get a like firm grasp on what's in there. Yeah, it's really hard to explore. So there are some photos, but they could be something interesting. But then again, maybe not. I don't know. In 2008, Ryan's said that maybe Nessie or the Nessie type species or whatever was extinct, having succumbed to global warming. On the other hand, it could be that because he had never found the smoking gun, he was sort of feeling discouraged after so many years of trying. 1972 to 2008 was his last expedition. So that's a long time to look for something. The next uh, one that I have here is in 1987. 24 boats equipped with Echo. This, by the way, this is probably the most famous uh, event or the most famous attempt to find Nessie using sonar or echo sounding, actually. Uh, In 1987, they used 24 boats. They were equipped with echo sounding equipment and they kind of scanned most of the Loch Ness, but there are some side areas that they couldn't get to. But they did get some interesting results they were sort of inconclusive. Again, it was not a smoking gun and some hits were kind of declared to be like sort of debris. Other people said that, you know, there was motion and it was hard to explain what they saw. One expert sonar expert named Daryl Lawrence said that there's something here that we don't understand. And there's something here that's larger than a fish. Maybe some species that hasn't been detected before. I don't know. So you can explain it away as something that's like, you know, a couple of fish swimming together or maybe like a seal that had wandered in from the ocean. On the other hand, the sonar that they used was pretty sensitive and had a range of 1300 feet and could see objects as small as one foot and could discern objects that were one foot apart. So if two fish were swimming near each other, they'd have to be pretty close to where you couldn't tell them apart on the sonar or the the echo sounding equipment or whatever. On the first day that they were doing this is when they found the most interesting results. They got three strong hits throughout the day, ranging from 256 feet to 590 feet depth. These were much larger than what you would expect from the known fish in the area or in the lock. They were larger than a shark, but smaller than a whale. And then the following day, they did another sweep And they, again, sent some ships to this area where they found these three contacts and there was nothing there. So that suggests that it was not like a stationary object, but something that was moving around, obviously, because if it was stationary, it would have been there again. And not all of them were like on, they weren't like on the ground necessarily. So they, you wouldn't expect them, expect them to be stationary, but you never know. But uh, they they didn't actually, they only got those three hits were the, like the best evidence that they got. And the second day, they didn't really get anything unusual. Now, because they didn't have like a smoking gun or like a bloody corpse they could drag out of the lock, a lot of media outlets declared that it was a complete flop. And like, I think I mentioned this, this was like a complete circus, this whole event. There was media swarming. They rented every boat available they could get their hands on you know, to go get out there on the water and film the the goings-on of the, the study and everything. It was a pretty big deal back in the day. 
But again, they didn't find like hard proof, even though they did get three really good returns. And that was probably that even to this day, that might be still like the biggest or most famous study ever done. But there have been some done since. For example, in 1992, the ship, the MV Simrad, it, they went and carried out the first complete hydrographic survey, uh, whatever that is. I'm guessing they're like mapping the Loch Ness. They completed the first survey since 1903. So I guess in 1903, they completed a survey using piano wire and weights to kind of measure the depth hmm. at different points throughout the lock. This time... Sounds they, pretty advanced. Yeah, yeah. That was, well, for the time, you know. <laughs> if well, it, it, it could have been as far... Well, the, the, the problem is that, that that particular body of water, like we had mentioned before, drops so dramatically in, in depth, you know, throughout the whole, you know, area, you know. Right. Back in the day, I think they got a pretty good idea of what it was like, but... That was the last time, 1903 was the last time anybody tried to map it to any amount of detail. And they did a good job with the tools they had available to them. But in 1992, they they used some really sophisticated like uh, sonar equipment to get a much, much better idea of what it actually looked like under there. They were looking for anything weird or whatever. They didn't find any caves, which is one of the things they looked for because one of the ideas that if there are hidden caves underneath of the water, that could be somewhere that some sort of creature opening. could hide, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and also not, not just that, but also like a large, like opening a pathway to the North Sea, you know? Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that, that could be that. a reason why um, it, it might be like an animal that we haven't like necessarily documented or like just a, a very large version version of an animal animal or a fish or something. I'm sorry that or, we don't know about. Or hence those you know. tremors and earthquakes. They released a fissure into Godzilla? a passage. Yeah, you never know, man. <laughs> Godzilla, dude. Confirmed. Yeah. Godzilla. No I, like that. no, I like that a lot. Yeah. I I, I think this, this could be the origin of Godzilla, actually. No, the origin was our, our nuclear testing on the islands. Sorry. <laughs> Well, if there was a, a underground passageway to the to the to the sea, you know, an open passageway where some sort of large creature could, you know, travel back and forth with ease, then it could be reasonable that you know this could be an area that you know that that creature comes to periodically, maybe for mating purposes, or I don't know, maybe it's it's part of their their eating habits or something. I don't know, you know. Yeah. It's po yeah, it could be possible. It's, yeah, right? it's entirely plausible. Yeah, but you'd have to find that opening though, or that passageway. Yeah, exactly. And they, and they did not find it. And they throughout the they did this in 1992 and 1993, and they did get a couple of anomalous uh, hits on their sonar that were not explainable. Like they they were bigger, and they there was no known you know, no fish or nothing that should have been there that could explain. So just very similar to the last study that I talked about with sonar, um, they, they, uh, they cannot figure out what was causing this. Of course, the skeptics will tell you that it was any number of things and it couldn't possibly have been an unknown species, but you know, we don't know. It's all just sort of, we, we can only imagine, you know? And so I, I just have a couple more of, of uh, studies like this they did to talk about. In 2003, the BBC, which, again, why on earth would you name a channel that? But anyways, they sponsored a <laughs> search 
using 600 I see sonar. What you did there. Yeah. <laughs> 600 <laughs> sonar beams and some satellite tracking and they didn't find anything. And the people involved said that this sort of proved that there's nothing to it. But on the other hand, eh, who knows? Maybe there was something there that they didn't find. I don't know. And finally, in 2018, an international team did a DNA survey, but we already talked about that a little bit. And they didn't necessarily find anything, but as we said previously, they it may not be 100% conclusive. I think they left the door open a little bit because they had, what was it, 20% unidentified and you know, it, yeah. they may not have gotten every little pe- last possible bit of DNA in the lake just because, or the mm-hmm. lock, just because they did it doesn't mean that it was absolutely conclusive, you know? So yeah, it, just because there's unidentified DNA samples or what have you that they found doesn't necessarily mean anything. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that I mean, it, it for the very same reason, because it could mean anything at the same time, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's either way, whatever, you know, it's who knows what the hell it means is what I mean to say. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So the, there's, um, the last thing I pretty much have in my notes is there, there were a lot of hoaxes throughout the years, which is kind of unfortunate because Anytime, even if there's just one hoax, it kind of makes the whole topic seem like it's nonsense, whether or not it is. But uh, the, yeah, especially if that hoax you know, ends up being very popular, right? Know, yeah, you know. But there, there were a couple of hoaxes that I wanted to mention that I thought were kind of fun. You know, you got to have fun with this stuff. You know, take it with a grain of salt and all that. But in 1930, a prankster used. Now this is. In and of itself, this is an item that I didn't know existed, but they used a hippopotamus foot umbrella stand. So I guess an umbrella stand built out of a hippopotamus foot. And they used that to make footprints to kind of hoax (laughs) Nessie footprints. Wait a minute. You guys don't have that umbrella holder too? What? what? (laughs) No, dude. I've never been. When I went to Ikea, they were all sold out, you know? (laughs) Right? No, I got mine from Christmas. (laughs) Okay. But I thought it was just such a bizarre, anyways, to me, it was such a bizarre hoax that I, I just, I had to mention it. And then another one I wanted to mention was in 2004, a team trying to make a TV documentary perpetrated a hoax by constructing an animatronic plesiosaur and placing it in the lock. So this particular hoax caused at least 600 sightings throughout the lock because they were, they made a fake monster and they put it in there and people saw it. So, I mean, there've been many, many hoaxes throughout the years, which is kind of unfortunate. Not all of them were a lot of fun, you know, and it, it kind of ruins the whole topic because we have, we do have, some unexplainable things. We have a lot of photographs that I didn't talk about. There's so many photographs mm. and videos that have not been debunked and that are really interesting that you can't really explain that it kind of makes you wonder, dude, this, this could be real, right? But when you have so many hoaxes throughout the years, it, it's real easy to look at those hoaxes and say, well, it's all bullshit, even though it might not be just because there's hoaxes doesn't mean that it's all fake, Right. Yeah, well, it makes it hard. It makes it kind of hard to navigate through the truth, you know, or to try to find the truth. I guess. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I don't so know. yeah, it's it's yeah. Let's let's move on along to uh, Agent Ether has some possible explanations. 
for what could cause these sightings. Because when you have so many witnesses reporting something, it might not be a plesiosaur, but people might be seeing something. So what could they possibly be seeing, Agent Ether? Some people say it's simply birds. Oh, bird. We're, okay. I thought you were going to go with Bigfoot. Okay, birds. Sorry. Because when they land, they cause this V-shaped wake where they land and they're in a group. So some people could mistake them for the Loch Ness Monster. Okay. And, you know, it's possible. It doesn't really match the vast majority of descriptions, but sure, why not? Why not? And then you mentioned the traveling circus. Some people believe that it was an elephant. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> its little trunk sticking out of the water like a You're just like taking a, a bath. Just taking a bath. Well, that would just account for one sighting, not all of the sightings, but perhaps mm-hmm. a traveling circus coming through a menagerie. Now, the, yeah. the problem I would have with that explanation is that elephants can swim, but can you imagine an elephant going under yeah. the water and hanging out there for like six hours until somebody comes by, sticking their trunk up occasionally <laughs> to breathe and never surfacing yeah. in a climate that is not their natural habitat. And they would be freezing yep. their freaking balls off down there. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is Scotland that we're talking about here that, yeah, it's not a, a yeah, it's a cold climate. Yeah. You know, it's not. <laughs> so you would have, in order for that to account for the sightings, People would have to, they wouldn't see the elephant go under the water or come out of the water, which I find a little, I don't know, not that plausible, but hey, you never know. Okay, how about a Greenland shark? I have no idea Mm. what that is. Well, imagine just, then just imagine an ordinary shark with a fin. One of the most ancient. That's right. That's right. Sticking up above the water, traveling around, creating a wake behind it somehow gotten in from the ocean okay. into the Loch Ness. That's what some people believe, that it's just yeah. a shark. Well, and one of the arguments also involved with the Greenland shark is that because like, like scientists don't really know how old they could potentially get. And also it's one of the sharks that like, you know, one of the species that they've, they have noticed, like the older it gets, it keeps on growing, right? It never stops growing. From so it could get pretty big. So, yeah, depending on how old it, it mm-hmm. gets is depending on how big it can get, you know? So, they yeah, keep that, growing, that is. Even as yeah, they get older, a, they don't stop. Okay. All right. That, hmm. could be, that could be a very interesting theory right there, yeah. All right. And also the lock is pretty unusual. It has standing waves, and they're called uh, seish, S-E-I-C-H-E. And just the way that there's movement in the lock, like it oscillates like every, I think it's, is it 30 minutes or 30 hours? I didn't write it down, but frequently with a certain frequency, it'll oscillate and it creates these, these standing waves. And so between that and let's say some sort of optical effect or a mirage that could create the impression of a creature. Yeah, and you can actually mm. look up pictures of this phenomena, standing mm-hmm. waves. I've seen them before, and they do look weird. And I suppose it's possible that this could account for some of the sightings because they definitely look unusual. But um, I don't think they could account for the sightings where people see like a long neck and head sticking up out of the water. 
Or crossing the road. But they could account for some of the more serpent-like accounts, I suppose. Even like the the humps coming out of the water kind of a thing. Because they do look weird. They are very strange looking. And in the same way, you could also have seismic gas caused by a small earthquake combined with some sort of optical effect to create the illusion of the Loch Ness Monster. Now, I don't know if I'm on board with that one as much. So... Seismic gas to me is kind of like swamp gas. It must yeah. just be gas. <laughs> <laughs> I got some mm-hmm. seismic gas for you. I bet you do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's why we record this podcast remotely because of the seismic. No, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't. I just I've never seen seismic gas, but I can't imagine how that could cause a sighting like this. It could just cause bubbles in the water, and that's about it. I would think. Well, if you live with my brother, you'd know what that God looks like. Damn, so many, so many innuendos. Yeah, like I don't even know where to start. <laughs> or just go for a swim with Agent ETA, and you'll know exactly what that is. Yeah. Oh yeah, I live a trail, like whether I'm underwater or not. You know, <laughs> but trail yeah, of bubbles. It's it's hard to imagine. It's hard to reconcile some kind of gas with what the witness is actually described. It's kind of like. You know, like Venus or something like that. You know, like it just—it just doesn't—it yeah. doesn't line up with the witness descriptions of what they saw. It, for mm-hmm. me, it would be easier to just say that the witnesses are just making everything up than to say I don't know. But again, I have never—I'm not familiar with seismic gas, so yeah, who knows? Anything's possible, I guess. Yeah. And I just want to say, you too can watch the lock live on a webcam. You go to uh, Lochness dot co dot uk forward slash live cam and you can witness firsthand uh sheep grazing in a field with the lock in the background <laughs> and each seismic gas what <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe you'll see yeah. messy though <laughs> <laughs> so so what what else you got for us for possible explanations agent Ethan? no that was that was it that's why i mentioned the uh webcam so that you can oh, look for yourself okay i thought you had like some uh, interdimensional oh, beings and... i did did you want me to mention those okay yeah so... come on come on you got to do that <laughs> come on so some people say that the reason there's no dna is that nessie is an extraterrestrial so we wouldn't have any et dna here on earth to compare it to mm. uh-huh also that it's a magical creature so of course it has no dna I mean, yeah, duh. <laughs> and well, finally, probably exists on like the fifth plane of dimension. Exactly, fifth, something like know, that. And and that kind of ties yeah. into the last one, which is that there's a wormhole that Nessie travels through back and forth between another dimension. So there's very little DNA to analyze that's actually in the lake. Okay, yeah. and there's uh, she's only just scratching the surface. There's a ton of proposed solutions to this, like. For example, um, logs that have been misidentified. Right. Uh, I think we Trees. touched on. Oh, dude, hey, trust you me. <laughs> I have experience with that. You know what I mean? I should have said. I, re- I take it back. <laughs> hey, I come from a long line of log cutters, okay? <laughs> so it's, it's a genetic anomaly then. Yeah. But, could be. So I, I think we touched on the giant eel hypothesis, which is that any species could have outlying examples of you know like if you just think of for example Shaquille O'Neal standing next to Mini-Me you know maybe there's an unusually <laughs> large eel out there that could be mistaken for Nessie um, or a log 
Yeah. Yeah. Or a log. <laughs> I mean, just imagine that, you know, I'm just saying, you know, the, the potential they're involved with uh, some, an individual like Shaq. I'm just saying, dude, you know, like say, Shaq, say if he, say, along. say just, say just for instance, just like, you know, just, just humor me. Right. You're, you're in the forest, right? You, you know, you're on a camping trip and you're, you found this like pristine little area. It has a, has a little stream right there with a little like pond, you know, that pulls up and like, it's perfect for like just taking a dip in. It's like crystal clear water. Right. But unbeknownst to you, Shaquille O'Neal happens to be upstream. <laughs> He's camping also. And then he also, you know, happens to have, you know, uh, um, you know, a moment where he just got to take a, you know, drop a log in the water, you know, and for him, <laughs> from happens, his perspective, you know? it may not be like a, you know, a giant literal log, for, but from your perspective as an address, as your average individual, you know, like that's going to be a log. It might fucking make a wake, you know, in front of it. You know what I mean? Like it might be big enough to where like you might hear it coming downstream before you even see it. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's all I'm saying. But like, if you happen what to experience something like that? that, yeah, no, that, that might be something else right there. You know, I don't know. I'm just saying is all, you know, like I digress. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry for that distraction. What was that? So my imagination took hold. <laughs> there's, there's lots of other possible explanations <laughs> like sturgeons, even though they didn't find sturgeon DNA, it could have been, you know, a rogue sturgeon. And if you've never seen a picture of a sturgeon, they are weird. They do look like monsters. They can get very large. They're, They're weird as hell. Look at, they look really weird. Um, yeah. You know, like maybe a long, <laughs> I'm reading a list from online here. So, uh, some of these, a long neck seal. I, I didn't know that was a thing, but okay. Well, um, I heard this one, this one, this one uh, nickname for him was long nose. Fuck you face. <laughs> oh, that's my brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, this is just, it goes. Asian ether is, is uh, never mind. <laughs> what just happened? She's, she's, she's silently protesting the direction the show is taking. I'm writing things on a notepad and drawing emoticons. Sad faces. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm sorry, but I'm not going to apologize for being such a degenerate. I don't, I don't okay. think I'm going to edit that out because I, th I thought it was funny. <laughs> but, all right. But anyways, uh, there's there's a ton and ton, ton of different proposed solutions or, you know, hypotheses of what Nessie could be. But uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that, I suppose. Um, and <laughs> I guess the last one I'll say is a UFO, but we, we'll, we'll leave it. We'll just leave it at that. Um, yeah. So, UFO uh, and or inter interdimensional being. Yeah. Is it anybody who wants to know more or look up, look up more about the Loch Ness monster. There's, there's a couple of really good websites, but I think the first place that I would direct you to would be Loch Ness mystery dot blogspot dot com. Mm -hmm. It's, mm -hmm. it's a current blog that's it's, they've been going for years and years. There's just a ton of resources on here. The lots and lots of articles, Lots of links to other websites, pictures. They have a fact. They they got links to books. There's you know just on and on and on. It's just just tons and tons of information on this website. So check it out if you want to know more. 
lochnessmystery.blogspot.com. I mean, this website's so good that I, I kind of want to contact the, the guy who runs it to see if he can come on the show. Like, this is really good. But, um, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that, that'd be really fun to have him on the show. But yeah, so check that out if you want to dive in. There's there's so much. you Like, we could probably do... I know I say this for some topics, but it's really true. We could probably do like 10 episodes minimum on just the Loch Ness Monster just on mm-hmm. the information this guy has on his website. I mean, I looked at I looked at a couple of other websites, but this one is probably the best place to start. I mean, especially because he has links to other websites. And then another one that I found that was was pretty good that that uh had a lot of good information on it was it's um nessie.co.uk is also a really this one's outdated, but it's also a really good resource that's worth checking out that I, I would suggest anybody wants to find out more. So I mm-hmm. guess to, you know, in, in conclusion, let's, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. I suppose um, it's, I guess it'd be easy to dismiss the Loch Ness monster as, you know, bullshit or whatever, because of all the hoaxes throughout the years or just whatever. But yeah. if you want to take a good look at all the evidence throughout the years, the pictures, the videos, the eyewitness accounts or whatever, for me personally, it's hard to say that there's nothing to it. You know, I think there really is something strange going on here, whether it's, you know, a plesiosaur or, you know, a group of plesiosaurs that have been hiding all these years or some kind of animal or, you know, freshwater fish that's larger that we don't know about that is still undiscovered, which I mean, this happens mm-hmm. from time to time. We do discover new species. I think it's entirely possible something that there's something people, there. I think it's possible. Pe- people are witnessing something. Yeah. They're, they're saying something. There's maybe, some, I don't know. Maybe they're misidentifying logs or gas or something, but it's, yeah. it's hard for me to say that it's all completely made up. I think that there really is something causing all these sightings. And I think it's very possible that it's some sort of anomalous creature out there. I don't know. What What do you guys think? Uh, I would like to believe that it's a long lost prehistoric monster, but uh, I don't know. I've always had a hard time uh, putting real belief behind it, but I do have the the feeling that, you know, maybe our ancestors may have caught a glimpse at something that was gigantic and they inspired mm-hmm. them to, you know, tell the the lore and folk tales of sea monsters and all that, yeah. and the lock is just one of those. But uh, you know, who am I to say I wasn't born in back in that time? So until we find actual concrete proof, I'm still kind of my water is still murky. Well, I have exciting news along those lines. They're doing an expedition now. It's not specific to the Loch Ness monster, but it is this year. There's a new robot sub being tested because they want to send it up to Antarctica to do underwater ice exploration, like really deep. And they want to deploy it for like three months at a time. So they're testing it in the Loch Ness. It can go down to 6,000 meters and they're little yellow subs and they're named, this is kind of funny, Bodie McBoatface. I love it. I love it. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) uh, let me just get this straight. Bodie McBoatface. That's what you said, right? That's I love it. I absolutely, I absolutely love it. How would that make your day? That would make my decade 
if Bodie McBoatface <laughs> made the biggest scientific <laughs> discovery, <laughs> how awesome would that be? You know? <laughs> oh, that that would be the best thing ever. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Just, it would be in history oh, books. Oh man! Oh. So that's recent. The news article I found was May of 2021 so that's going to be going on now and it'll be interesting to see if they discover anything new since they're going to such a great depth all right well i guess that about wraps it up for this week's episode Uh, thanks for listening we'll catch you guys next week